This is the Stockton San Joaquin County Public Library. Hi, and welcome back to the Goodreads Book Club. Uh, this month, we read The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune. It is a tale, T-A-L-E, with tales, T-A-I-L-S. One of the characters in here is uh, transforms into a dog. Very cute. It is very <laughs> cute. Um, just in case you don't know if this is your first time, I'm Brianna and this is... I'm Elsa. Hello. We are your hosts for this lovely book club. So, I guess I'll give you a little summary of what the book is about and then we'll get started with our discussion. So the house in the Cerulean Sea is about this man. He's a 40-something year old. His name is Linus, and he basically works as a social worker for kids with magical abilities. And he gets sent by extremely upper management to this island uh, where there is a orphanage with six special kids who have deemed, been deemed extremely dangerous. And he is tasked with deciding whether this orphanage can continue to go on if the kids are safe there or if it needs to be closed down. That's, that's the bare bones basics of the story. Uh, we do have a discussion guide with us once again and we'll link it below in the comments for you so you can follow along. Um, the first question is, as an employee of Diakami, which is the social work service that Linus works for, um, they have very rigid rules and regulations. There's a giant handbook. It's in my mind, it's like a thousand pages. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he carries it around with him everywhere. Um, but basically, they're being constantly monitored in this environment. But yet, Linus still manages to produce quality work, which is kind of why he's sent on this assignment, because he's known for his objectivity, um, no matter what happens. Um, and basically, the question is, how do you think or why does he continue to push through under so much pressure? And I, I think in a way that Linus really does care about these kids under the, under the care of these orphanages, but also he really likes to follow the rules. And I think in this instance, it's one way for him to actually get noticed because he doesn't really have much going on in his life, but his cat, Calliope, yeah. and his really bossy next door neighbor. <laughs> really bossy. He's very Always sassy. Always trying to set him up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. He really doesn't have much going on, and this is one way that he is able to glean attention, but also feel pride in something that he knows he's good at. Also, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's just really him and his records. He doesn't have much going on. Mm -hmm. But I think we also get glimpses into, like, his childhood. Yes. Like, the tiniest bit. The tiniest bit. Um, And maybe that plays a part, because parents didn't seem fun, or mom didn't seem too fun, and he's just now, like... Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's really true. Like, his... We don't really hear ever about his dad. It was no. just he and his mom. And his mom was pretty strict it seemed like yeah. um and also not super supportive for his endeavors yeah it didn't seem like like he had I can't remember what the interest was but I think it was adventure books or something like yes. that yes and she didn't like that so 
Maybe it stems from there. It could, because, like, I think, especially with the adventure books, you would be like, well, why are you reading these? You're never going to go on an adventure. So why even bother, you know, why, kind of, like, stifling that imagination that he had. And now he's like, my fun is following the rules. (laughs) Yeah, he's literally, like, he kind of, at least, especially in the beginning, lives and breathes by these rules and yeah. regulations. Like he, it's like his pleasure reading almost. Like it he, is. he takes them everywhere he goes. He <laughs> like when he goes to um, the island, when he finally gets his assignment, he ma- he makes sure to take this rules and regulations tome with him in his luggage, um, as well as his cat, because they're going yeah. for a full month. Um, but, like we said, he is very lonely before he kind of goes to the island orphanage. Um, and it says, while building a family and a home becomes important for Linus as the story progressive progresses, why wasn't this a priority in his past? And I think we touched on it a little bit about his childhood and just being so isolated. And I kind of feel like, in addition to his mom not being super supportive, it being so isolated is kind of a way for Linus to protect himself. Yeah. So that he, if you don't put yourself out there, you can't get hurt. Yeah. Type of deal. Yeah. Like when he first arrives, um, it's like he says, um, like it was his first time seeing the ocean. Like he always wanted to yes. see the ocean. But he had never seen it. And they're like, well, it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. Go anywhere. They're like, well, why haven't you been? Like, they don't understand yeah. why he wouldn't even take a trip. Because I don't even know if he's been much out of the city where he lives. Yeah. Because yeah. um, he has, like, on his desk, he has, like, a mouse pad of a beach that yeah. says, um, like, wish you were here or something like that. And that's he that's as close as he's ever been to seeing an ocean is yeah. this mouse pad on his desk. Yeah. Uh, which he just seems very, like, lonely and yes. scared, but not... He seems bored with his life. He does seem bored with his yeah. life because he's so regimented. Like, he has, like, a regimen for everything that yeah. he does, and he he's very routine-driven, so he really sticks to the routines that he has set up. Um, and, you know, and that... But, again, that kind of changes once he gets to this island orphanage um because mostly because of the kids that that inhabit this island orphanage there are six kids like we mentioned and they all are deemed dangerous um for different reasons uh one of the kids he's a six-year-old boy his name is lucy or lucifer (laughs) and he's the antichrist who loves buddy holly yes um there's chauncey who's like kind of an amorphous slime with tentacles but not like i i don't know yeah um and then there's a gnome talia she's really funny and super sassy (laughs) she's the first one linus meets when he goes to the island and she's like clearly trying to mess with him yeah and telling him like you're lucky that i don't bury you in my garden like putting on like a real role for him she's like i'm gonna bop you over the head with a shovel yeah okay i guess i won't yeah well it's like all of these kids are like really putting on an act for the way that they think that he's going to perceive them anyways so they're really like pulling out all the stops yeah yeah um there's Fee. She's like a forest sprite. 
She can turn people into trees. Um, and there's Sal, which is, he's the one that turns into a dog. And yeah. he's actually very, very sweet. He's just really shy. Yeah, I think it's his... 12th orphanage or something like yeah, that. He's yeah, been he's moved been moved around a bunch, which that's something that Linus encounters too, is he is given each of the files on all of the kids that inhabit this orphanage, but they're like really, really thin. There's yeah. hardly any information. And then the more he gets to know the kids, the more he finds out about their backgrounds and kind of what they've been through besides just the black and white paper that he's been given. Yeah, And I think getting to know the kids really helps Linus kind of break out of this very narrow rut that he's put himself in um, to see more, instead of seeing everything black and white, to kind of see more of shades of gray. Yeah. I think when he arrives, he's very much like, with his interactions with Arthur, which is the um, children's caretaker, he's very much like, well, these are the rules and kind of stuffy. Mm-hmm. You're going to call me Mr. Baker and I'm going to call you Mr. Parnassus. Yes, he's very yeah. formal uh, and, when he yeah. first gets there. And then it just begins to break down as he has more interactions with the kids. Mm-hmm. And I think like a good example of him just like loosening up was him wearing always like really formal clothes. Like wearing yes. a tie. Yes, like kind of, I mean, I pictured it like a suit. <laughs> Like yeah, um, <laughs> like at the beach, wearing yeah. a suit at the beach. like wearing a suit with a full tie at the beach. Yeah, and uh, his cat's or um, I think Tolly's like, why are you always wearing a tie? And then he forgets the tie one morning and then just stops wearing it all together. Yes, kind of some progress. Yeah, um, he loosens up. Yeah, he does start to loosen up, and I think too, you kind of get a lot of foreshadowing. Of about the island when like the when he first steps foot on it and his cat like instantly befriends Sal like super yeah. super into Sal and it's like you know because animals usually have a fairly good sense of people right and I feel like that's really nice and subtle foreshadowing for like oh this is not gonna be what we think it yeah. is at all yeah We are now offering Chromebooks and hotspots, including charging cables, for checkout. All kits come with an easy-to-carry bag and are available at your nearest SSJ CPL branch. Check for availability by calling 209-937-8221 or check out the online catalog at ssjcpl.org. Um... And so, you know, and he kind of has different ways that he bonds with the different kids. So, like, Linus and Lucy really love what Lucy calls dead people music. (laughs) But it's, like, really old kind of 50s, like, bebop type music. Yeah. Like, Buddy Holly and Richie Valens and... Big Bopper. The Big Bopper. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone on the plane when the music died. Because Lucy, I mean, you know, he's... On one hand, he's, like, got this adult, morbid-type personality to him. And then on the other hand, he's, like, a six-year-old asking for a snack. Like, it goes goes (laughs) hand-in-hand. And I think because he is, you know, quote-unquote the Antichrist, that he's got um, extra perception into certain things beyond his six-year-old years. Yeah. Uh, so he seems to know a lot about people and kind of what, what might happen to them. But he's also yeah. just, like, 
the sweetest little six-year-old yeah. who just likes to cook and like dance and sing to his records. Yeah, I think when uh, I'm forgetting his name, Linus. Um, I think he Lucy's the person he's scared of. The most. Yes. And Lucy did make a big entrance when he first he met him. Yeah. Um, he brought, like, all of these dark shadows out with his power and was just like, you know, I am the Lord of Destruction and, yeah. and all of this stuff, which was really funny, actually, that first scene, because you're, you're kind of like, oh, what's happening here? And then the Mr. Parnassus comes out and he's just like, just stop. Yeah. And Lisa's like, fine. Yeah. And then he realizes he has so much... In common with him, mm-hmm. whereas, like, Sal is a little bit more guarding. Yes. Linus kind of has to win him over and show him that... He does. And I think... Yeah. yeah. and I think that's the case with some of the kids. Sal is a little bit tougher, and that's kind of when we figure out that he's been to so many different placements, um, and he was abused in his previous placement, and that's kind of when we start to figure out that perhaps extremely upper management and dichemy doesn't have these kids best interests at heart even though they claim that they do and everything supposedly that they do is for these kids we kind of start to see that maybe it's not yeah and i feel like with the townspeople of this town um they are paid off, which is like yes. also like which is sketchy. is crazy because they have these posters everywhere. It says "See something, say something," which supposedly is to keep these kids safe. Like if you see any type yeah. of abuse, say something. But it's actually the opposite. Yeah, um, where they're reporting things that they've heard or like secondhand, like nobody has seen. That these kids are dangerous and they don't want them there. Yeah. But they, like Elsa said, they're actively getting paid to be there. Right. And um, I think at some point when they go into the little town, it's that little phrase is like actively used against them. Like, yes. I'm going to see something. I see something. I'm going to say something. It's, I don't want you here. Yes, exactly. And I mean, really, like, in some ways, when they first go into town, which was Linus's idea to kind of yeah. help these kids not be quite so secluded in their environment because they are very isolated. And I think Linus sees a lot of himself in the kids because he's also very isolated. He's literally made himself an island among people. Like he tries to make, he's described as a large man, but he tries to make himself as small as possible and as invisible as possible. Yeah. Hi friends, this is Elsa reminding you to turn in your summer reading logs before July 31st. Hope to see you soon. And that's basically these kids as well are, you know, they're very secluded on this island. They don't leave. Um, So they're also very isolated. And so he has this idea to bring them to this town to kind of feel it out and see how it goes and get the kids kind of introduced to other people besides the ones that they have interactions with every day. And some of the interactions go really, really well. Yeah. Like Talia goes to a gardening shop and meets what turns out to be the mayor. Um, And that interaction actually went really well. Yeah. But then some of the interactions went as horribly as you can imagine. Yeah. So I, Lucy 
breaks his records at some point and wants to go to the record store. And we yes. get, like, this hippie-type <laughs> guy. They get along great. Um, but also in that same record store, someone's very, very mean to Lucy. Very mean to Lucy. Yeah. Basically tries to perform an exorcism yeah. on Lucy and locks him in a small room. Um, so Lucy defends himself, but then some of the townspeople take it as Lucy was attacking this man. Yeah. When really he was just defending himself. Uh, and that creates more kind of conflict and turmoil between the town and these kids, which I think is a good representation of basically this world of the house in the Cerulean Sea and all of these magical kids, the turmoil and like the real division of otherness that these kids experience. Yeah. Yeah. They have it kind of rough. I mean, they do. Arthur, the, per- the man that takes care of them, he has them kind of isolated but yeah. like for because he believes that that they will ex- People, the town doesn't like them yeah he, yeah. he, he really protect be- overprotective yeah. he's very protective he yeah. believes that you know there's something bad they're going to experience something bad that you know and they're just kids and they'll take yeah. it really hard or they may not want to go back into society again because they've had such a bad experience and right. most, all of these kids have had really terrible experiences in their past before they got here and he doesn't want them to have to relive that trauma again and again every time they go into the town um and it's also his relationship with the kids is very interesting because it is very fatherly Mm -hmm. like he is more of their father than like the head of this orphanage yeah which i think is very different than any other place yeah, he really seems to care for them. And at some point, Linus and Arthur are having this conversation. He's like, I'm not going to let anybody hurt my children. He's like, mm, they're not your children. They're your wards. Yes. Um, and he's like, well, in any case, <laughs> I'm not going to let any harm come to them. His relationship is really cute. It is. With the kids because he wants to give them, like, independence. Yes. He, um... Let them pursue yeah. whatever interests they have. Um, so, like, Chauncey, the amorphous slime yeah. character, his biggest dream in the world is to be a bellhop at a hotel. He practices for hours in front of the <laughs> mirror, these little play act skits of, yeah. like, oh, Mrs. So-and-so, can I take that for you? Which is just adorable. Yeah. And um, it's just because he wants to, he just wants to help people. Like, that's yeah. that's all he wants to do. He wants to help people and just be seen as... Is just something that's normal in the environment and not something that is terrible. Because of his appearance, he's always been told yeah. that he's a monster. Yeah. Um, to the point where he would hide under people's beds, but not... Yeah. Because, I mean, that was what he was told he was. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, under your bed. <laughs> yeah, to hide, yeah. you know, and kind of scare you because that's what he's been told his whole life, that, you know, he's a monster. That's his role. But he really wants to break out of that, and he actually really just genuinely likes people and wants to to yeah. help them, and he thinks that being a bellhop is, like, the Makes best sense. way to, to help people. Yeah. But he also wants a tip, so don't Yeah, he forget. does, he he does want his tips. Something. He does want his tips. Um, but a lot of these kids are described as, like, really rare. Like, there's Theodore, who's a wyvern, which... I think it's some kind of dragon. 
like a little one, like a like tiny wasn't, dragon. Not a magical creature I've heard of before, but no. Yeah. And he just wants buttons. Yeah, like he's <laughs> super into buttons. Yes. <laughs> um, and Linus gives him a brass button at first, which he doesn't quite realize is important. And then thereafter, Theodore just like. The sun and the moon rises with Linus and his buttons. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's like, a, that was one of the first ways Linus kind of got into this little very tight group. Yeah. Is because even though he didn't realize what he was doing, yeah. he gave Theodore something really highly preferred. And I think that kind of let him start the process of really getting to know these kids. Right, which he didn't, he just accidentally, like, just... Yeah, he just had it in his pocket. Like, okay, well, he's all right. <laughs> yeah, he had no idea that this yeah. was going to be such a big deal. Um, and the more he gets to know these kids, the more his feelings start to change about diachemy, where he works, the rules and the regulations, and, like, it starts to become more, like, what is actually best for these children, not necessarily what the rules think is best for these kids. Yeah, and I think you can see that in his reports and, like, yes. the correspondence he gets back where it's very objective in the beginning. Yes. Um, and then it becomes less objective and he gets a yes. little scolded for it. And yes. Like, hey. You're doing too much editorializing. Yeah. We don't want to hear all <laughs> of this backstory. Yeah. But he really kind of starts to see these kids as kids. They just, you yeah. know, they're kids that have faced severe trauma in their past and they're just trying to heal in the best way that they can. And they're not their classifications. They're actually their own people. Yeah. They're kids. They're kids. They're kids. They're all kids. I think Sal is the oldest and Sal's like, what, 14, 13, 14? Yeah. And he's the, the one that he... He kind of has to win him over. Like, it's been rough for him. It's like been he, really rough But for they Sal. also have a lot in, in common. They where They do. just try and make themselves smaller. So yeah. Like the, the times where they're um, speaking alone with each other, I thought was really sweet. Like, at that ice yes. cream shop, when he's kind of, like, being supportive to the situation that just happened or helping mm-hmm. him move his desk. Yeah. Because Sal, I mean, all Sal wants to do is write. And I think it's it's a great metaphor and image because he starts writing in a closet, yeah, trying to make himself as small as possible, and then they move his desk out in front of a window to give yeah. him more inspiration. And it kind of really, I mean, literally, he's breaking out yeah. of his shell to you know grow more as a kid and be more comfortable in his environment because. He Linus, as part of his inspections, has to go through each of the kids' rooms, and Sal's is the most bare. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing there other than this typewriter, um, and that's because Sal has moved so many times. He doesn't necessarily want to like put yeah. roots down, and yeah. then the moving of this desk is kind of Sal's. Like this is my home now. Yeah. Yeah, making it more permanent. Yes. Which was very sweet. It was a really so, sweet scene. Yeah. Um. Ready to learn a new skill? Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of aspiring classes for creative and curious people. 
By partnering with the California State Library, we are able to provide you with three months of unlimited access to Skillshare Premium. Visit ssjcpl.org to find out more information. And then, so it just, it kind of continues on this trajectory of Linus getting to know these different kids um, and really having his perceptions changed about what he thinks he knows. And you actually find out Linus, you he really does a lot of background research. Like he knows a lot about all of the magical abilities that these people have. Like, And I think that kind of sets him apart as different than your normal like diakony person because yeah. he actually has taken the time to get to know um, what they're capable of, what it means to be xyz like their other caretaker is also a sprite her name is zoe and he knows a lot and he's very respectful of her and i don't think any of the past social workers that have come in have been that respectful yeah um he's just very sensitive because apparently sprites are very territorial Mm -hmm. and he's like well uh, I was invited to the island, but it wasn't her, so I was careful around her because this is her, her home. Her this home, is like yeah. you know, this is her abode, her territory, and yeah. she's protecting it at all costs because that's her basically her function on this island. Because this is the island and her are not two separate beings; right. they're the same thing. Yeah, and also with I can't remember her name. Fee, Fee. is also a sprite, so she mm-hmm. kind of guides her and I thought that was it is really sweet she guides her and helps her kind of harness her powers because I think besides perhaps Sal Fee has the saddest and most traumatic backstory of the children um her parents were killed in front of her and that's why she turned those people into trees and that's what deemed they deem her as being very dangerous yeah because she she is very powerful and uh, Zoe tries to help her kind of harness and channel her power into taking care of the land and learning more about different trees and plants, which is really cool. Yeah. And there's a really sweet scene with her and Linus when she grows in the flower. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was very cute because he has sunflowers in his home. She's like, well, this mm-hmm. is a sunflower. It wouldn't do well here, but... Here's this. Oh, it was very cute. Yeah, yeah, and that's just kind of another scene of how these kids are starting to accept Linus into their lives and how they're really kind of all growing to really love and care for each other. Yeah. Which is definitely outside of the rules and regulations that yes. Linus is supposed to follow um, in this story. Yeah, at some point, he's buying them stuff. And I'm like, well, Yeah. And then I think immediately after, he goes to the post office, gets a letter, and they're like, well, we're going to refer you to a psychologist because this is, you've clearly lost your mind. <laughs> yeah. Because he, I mean, he really is caring for these kids. Yeah. And it's it's a hard internal struggle struggle for Linus, too, because he has set his life trajectory in this very specific yes. path and then it starts to change and his ideas and his feelings start to change and he doesn't really know how to to like come to terms with that yeah i think at some point the mayor asks him like 
something about going home. She's like, you can't fool me. Mm-hmm. You know, your home is with people you care or something yeah. like that. Yeah, like home kind of is where you make it, not necessarily where you're from. Because Linus, yeah. li- like he lives in the same house that he was raised in. So he's really never left the same house, the same city ever before. And he does return back to the city, and it's such a stark difference because when he's there, it's raining all the time, which kind of really mimics Linus's own moods. Whereas the orphanage, it's sunny and it's beautiful. The sky is blue. The clouds are out. Yeah. And you can really tell just environmental factors that... Perhaps this isn't where Linus is supposed to be. Yeah. I when that scene where um they grow the flower for him, he's like, Well, this is the brightest thing I've ever seen. My sunflowers don't compare at all. Yeah. Like and that's very telling of how he actually feels about where Where he, he is. is. Yeah. It does. Uh we don't want to give too, too much away because, I mean, we're almost in our discussion here at the end of the story. And yeah. we don't want to tell you what <laughs> Linus decides to do. Um, we want you to figure it out for yourself and see, you know, if you like this journey or not. It is a very sweet book. Um, the kids are just so sweet. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, I enjoyed it. It's a little slow in the beginning. Oh, a little bit, but once it gets going... Once it gets going, yeah. it's going. Yeah. Um, and you get attached to them. You do get very attached to the kids, uh, especially poor Chauncey. Who <laughs> <I laughs> just wants to be a bellhop. Yeah. <laughs> I feel... I kind of feel the most for him because he's... There's nothing there's that no, would give you the impression that he's dangerous at no, all. No, and there's nothing yeah. he can really do because he's, he's probably the only kid, at least in this setting that you know we've had that his appearance is so different yeah from everyone else's yeah Theodore as well but like Theodore as well yeah he's on his own but Theodore is on his own thing he doesn't really like care to leave the island he has his like little (laughs) cord of things and he's cool with that um but Chauncey like really wants to interact with the public yeah he wants to go to the city work at a Hotel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is just the sweetest thing. So, yeah. I think we'll leave you there because we don't want to spoil the rest of the story. Uh, do let us know if you liked it. Um, next month, August, we are getting off this Tales and Trail, Tales and Tales train. And we're going to read something a little bit different. Um, we still have our poll going, so it hasn't been quite decided what we're reading for August. But we will let you know soon. Thank you so much for watching. And we'll see you later. See ya. Bye. Bye. To stay up to date with library news, follow us at SSJCPL on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or visit our website at SSJCPL.org.